Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. One, one pitch, fastball pulled and Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy becomes reality. Now, here's Adam, Scott, Heath, and Chris. Happy Kokomo Friday. Well, it would be a Kokomo Friday, but Adam Azer is out today. I'm Heath Cummings, your host for the day. Joined by Scott White. Eventually, possibly joined by Chris Towers, and instead of a Kokomo Friday, we're having a Carrasco Friday, which is not near as happy after his performance on Thursday night. Scott, how are you doing, and what in the world is wrong with Carlos Carrasco? Well, first of all, it's it's never very sunny here without Adam, so no no Kokomo Friday. Um, we'll, We'll make the best we can with you, Heath. Uh, that was a fantastic intro. Give me a compliment. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a Carrasco Friday is. I guess one where we talk about obsess over Carrasco for an hour. I don't know. I, I actually think like there there were a lot of like good pitchers who were terrible yesterday, or at least theoretically good pitchers who were terrible. Carrasco, the highest profile of them. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm sticking to the same stance I've had with Carrasco after each of his bad starts this year which haven't been all of them. There have been plenty of starts where he's looked like the Carrasco we drafted him to be, and the velocity is great, the swinging strike rate is great. Pretty much all great, except for the ERA, which is now up to 498. But the XPIP and Sierra, they're both south of 350. That's the kind of pitcher they think he's been this uh, time of year. He has given up, or, or to this point this year, he has given up a lot of home runs. Uh, in an environment where you know more home runs than ever are being hit, and so who, it, it's hard to know exactly how that's going to play out if it's going to normalize or if this is just who he is now in this environment. But regardless, the ERA is not going to end up being this high, and he's going to give you enough strikeouts and innings that uh, I think he's definitively a buy low candidate. Carlos Carrasco on Thursday night against the Chicago White Sox allowed six runs in six and a third innings. It was his second consecutive outing, giving up six runs in six and a third innings. He started the year out allowing 14 runs in his first three starts. I think covered 10 innings between those three starts. His next two starts, no runs. His next two starts, he gave up eight runs. His next two starts, no runs. And now he's terrible again. I agree yeah. mostly that he's a buy low. I just don't know. Like, he's at the bottom of the ace tier now, right? Well, depending on where you marked that tier, he always was. Uh, you know, you may have put, like, Strasburg behind him because of injury concerns. Uh, who are some others? Paxton, I think Nola maybe. was behind him for a while. I think you can debate Carrasco yeah, and, and I, Trevor I, I Bauer the way Bauer's been lately. I still think Nola and, yeah, I would put Bauer behind him because Bauer, I think, has a clear issue with the walks there. But Carrasco uh, has been better is, than Bauer's this year, right? Or Bauer has been better than Carrasco this year? In terms of ERA, probably. I doubt in terms of whip. Um, so, yeah, just... I, I, think, I think Bauer's walk rate is... More concerning because it's something, you know, that that's stirring up from the past. And uh, you, you look at the underlying numbers for Carrasco, there's just not anything to be that concerned about. Like I said, the home run to fly ball rate, 
the fact he's given up so many home runs in an environment when more than ever are being hit. That might be the one thing you could really latch onto as a problem for Carrasco. But he gave up one home run yesterday, and it was just, you know, it was just kind of a a, a clunker of a start. I'm not really, I'm not really that concerned. Okay, we're not going to talk about Car- Carlos Carrasco the entire show, though. It is kind of a Carrasco Friday. Chris Tower is now peeking into the door, looking like he might come in, but doesn't want to interrupt the show. You've already interrupted the show, Chris. It's okay. Just come on in. Come on in. He's not coming in. So later in the show, we've got the dropometer. We've got trade talk from yesterday. We've got guys we don't talk about. We've got buy or sell. We'll dig deep into the two-start pitchers and the weekend streamers. Scott, who is your favorite two-start pitcher for next week that's lower than 70% owned? I think maybe Griffin Canning just makes it under the cut there, just slips in. I think he's like 68 69% owned. Um. And, and I just think it's ridiculous that he's that available still. It's not like the matchups are particularly good, but you're talking about a guy who's now, his ERA is in the low threes, his whip is south of one, he has a great swinging strike rate, and is coming off three really good starts in a row. So uh, I, I, I don't know why you want to start Griffin Canning in a two-start week, no matter who he's facing. No, I, I disagree, Scott White. Hey, welcome, Chris. I've been uh, here the whole time. Sorry to hear there was traffic today. I've been here the whole time. Uh, we've talked about you multiple times. You've definitely not been here. No, I was just sitting here quietly. Yeah. I didn't want to. No one believes that either. I didn't want to interrupt. I, I, I'm sorry you had a tough commute in. It was, yeah. yeah. Wrong train station or traffic? Traffic. Okay. Traffic today. All right. So, Chris, oh. who's your favorite two-start pitcher next week? Griffin Canning. (laughs) (laughs) Let's get into the weekend streamers just real quick. There are some decent options. We'll talk about them more later at the end of the show. Is there one guy this weekend that uh, you're looking to stream, Scott? In terms of hitters or one-star pitchers? One-star pitchers, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I didn't come prepared with that. We do it every single, like, we have like 17 of these segments that we do every single week on the same day. You know how this segment works? Is Adam comes with a long list of names. He says, what do you I've got the long list of names. Tyler Malley is against Washington tonight. Yeah, I wouldn't start Tyler. I'm probably the biggest Tyler Malley fan on the podcast. I think he's going to be pretty good moving forward. But Washington has been a pretty tough matchup since Trey Turner got back and Juan Soto found his legs. So... I don't think I, I, I like on the list that you've showed us. The one, I, oh, the one that's in the notes. I think you could make a case like jo- Joey Lucchese against Miami. That's probably a pretty good one. I want to see John Duplantier against the du- Mets. Is it Duplantier or Duplantier? I it I've, seems. I think it's. I think it's Duplantier. Duplantier. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I'd like to see him, but I'm not going to trust him against the Mets. According to Adam Azer, it is Duplant E A. Yeah. Um. So I said it right. No, you said Duplantier. I don't think that's true. Um, Andrew Haney versus Seattle. I think Seattle at this point is not a particularly tough matchup. It's not a great one, but I think Andrew Haney's good. He should just be owned more than seventy-two percent. Um. And I guess Lance Lynn against the Royals. I don't. Does anybody feel good about that one? Uh, yeah, I thought that uh, Lance Lynn was definitely a guy we were going to talk about. Um, he has had multiple good starts in a ro- row. He's facing the Royals. 
I and might he, be without the Royals, possibly without Hunter Dozier. Okay. Uh, yeah, Dozier did leave last night's game, and we'll get into news and notes in just a second with with ch- chest tightness. I think it was like the muscle chest tightness and not the so. heart chest tightness, which is yeah. much much better. And, and uh, I th- I think Jose Arana and Trevor Richards at San Diego could be. I think Trevor Richards has shown enough over the last couple of starts. He's really cut down the walks. So him in particular, I think, can be a, a pretty good streamer for this week and probably should be more than 36% owned. Honestly, Jose Arrania, I know he's the least exciting pitcher in baseball, maybe, but like he's had a four ERA for two years in a row now. He's not great, but that's fine. That'll play. I'm glad that he pitches for the stallions. Marlins. I'm glad he pitches for the he's Marlins. We're gonna get over the come on. You don't believe that? No, he's, he's not a stallion. He's like best. he's been put out to pasture. He, he is okay. Like he's not bad. No, he's, he's not, not bad. good enough to race and in the pitch, races. Pitchers with four, there's plenty of oh, horses. Of course, he's not a in the pastures. Of course, yes. no. Well, good I, horses. I, I've always taken out to pasture as like, uh, you know, took him out back, kind of. No, like send him to no. a farm upstate. Okay, yeah, but you're not gonna actually shoot them. I don't know. That's what you were talking about. My only experience with horses is with Animal Farm. Right. Yeah. And it doesn't go well for them. You've never ridden a horse? No. Of course not. Yeah. Scott, have you ridden a horse? What, am I from Davie? I have not. You've never ridden a horse? No. Am I the only person on this podcast who's ever ridden a horse? Yeah, I don't like to do things like that, though. So (laughs) I, I may have had a chance before and just declined. Yeah, I don't like to do things. Period. Yeah, like, you know what would be the perfect for you would be riding a horse on the beach. Yeah, that sounds terrible. <laughs> we are going to get this show back on track and talk about the most added and the dropometer after this break. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Okay, the most added list. This is exciting. This is the thing Adam definitely does on Fridays, right? I I believe this happens on Fridays, yeah. Who is on the most added list, Chris? Uh, number one is actually Lourdes Guriel, which is um, oh no, no, sorry, that was the, on the wrong that one. was on Derek, the free agent. Derek Dietrich is the most added player right now, thirty-four uh, percent. Lourdes Guriel is second. Now thirty-four percent increase. He's up to seventy-five percent ownership, which I don't mm-hmm. think it should go any higher than that. It depends. You know, they played him, I think, against two lefties this week. If they're going to play him against left-handed pitching, then he probably does deserve to be owned uh, in more than 75% yep. of leagues because for his career, he's been like a 670, 680 OPS bat against lefties. He did have two hits, including a double um, earlier this week. I yeah. think that's enough against lefties, given how well he hits righties and given the park boost that he's gotten that he'd probably be a, a useful fantasy option in mixed leagues. I'm just not confident that they're going to play him against lefties moving forward, well, especially once their lineup is fully healthy with Scooter Jeanette back. It doesn't matter for this upcoming week because they're scheduled to face five righties in six games. So Dietrich is 
among my top 10 sleeper hitters. Uh, so maybe, maybe if just for this week, people do need to add him in more than the 75% of leagues where he's owned. Four more from the top five. Lourdes Gurriel is up to 41% owned. Ryan Yarbrough. Is he a two non-start pitcher next week, maybe? Well, he's been starting. He was, he was this week. He's in the in the midst okay. of it now. But it's, th- it's already, it was already a disappointment because he went less than four innings as a follower of an opener. He uh, started like was. twice, right? Uh, I thought he had started his first two games back from the... From he the started market. the that first the one, same exact but thing. All right, earlier so this week he would, he followed an opener, which was annoying. But I mean, it's, it's it, not it makes, the wor- it makes winning easier. It makes picking up the victory easier. Yeah. But obviously, it eliminates the chance of a quality start. Renato Nunez is up to thirty nine percent owned. Lance Lynn seventy two percent owned now. That seems a little high for Lance Lynn. Max Kepler. Up to ninety four percent owned, and then Devin Smeltzer at twenty percent. I think those twenty percent are going to be disappointed. Yeah, um, I guess Lance Lynn was a two star pitcher this week, so I would I would expect we'll see him go down once that two start status, unless he does well against the Royals on Saturday, in which case, yeah, you know, he that, has a that third straight double digit strikeout game. I don't think he's getting dropped. Yeah, that's uh, I, I'm not sure how I feel about that, but. And then uh, Max Kepler is really seeming to finally have had the breakout that we've been waiting for. And now, you know, before two weeks ago, it probably didn't look like he was having a breakout, but he's his overall numbers for the season now look pretty good. You know, he's always had good oh, yeah. plate discipline. He's always been willing to take a walk, but he's had the power this year. God, I thought you were going to say something. I no, I was just agreeing with you that his overall numbers look good. If you look at what he's on pace for this year, it's like a 290 batting average and more than 40 home runs, 100, 100. Uh, yeah, he's. I, I don't know. You know I, yeah, don't I would take the under on all of those. Numbers, but yeah, but <laughs> but yeah, obviously a guy on pace for those kinds of numbers a third of the way through the season uh, deserves to be owned and started everywhere. And I didn't do the injuries, news, and notes. Let's just throw those in between the most added and the dropometer. John Duplantier will start for Arizona today. He'll face the New York Mets. Scott, are we excited about him? I'm less than excited. Two years ago uh, was really when he peaked as a prospect. He had the lowest ERA, a qualifying ERA in the minors since Justin Verlander two years ago when he was at A-ball. Uh, last year he dealt with injuries. This year he had like 12 walks and 17 innings at AAA. Now we did see him make five long relief appearances earlier this year in the majors, and they went pretty well. There's, there is upside here, but uh, like there, there's the prospects you rush out and grab before they ever make an appearance, and there's the one you should kind of wait and see on, and I would, I would put him in the latter category in most leagues. I mean, obviously if it's deep enough and you're desperate for pitching. Doesn't hurt to take a flyer, but I'd I'd rather wait and see. Some injury news: Hunter Dozier. We talked about him leaving with chest, chest tightness. Justin Turner has hamstring tightness. Tommy Pham left with a leg cramp, and Yadier Molina is dealing with a bruised hand. Uh, on the other end of that, Travis Shaw will join rejoin the Brewers next week. He's been terrible in AAA. It looks as though a monster has stolen all of his talents, and he just cannot hit anymore. Didi Gregorius could also be back, back next week. I'm more excited about Didi Gregorius uh, at this point than Travis Shaw. I think 
you know, maybe entering the season, if Didi had been healthy, they'd probably have been pretty similarly ranked. But we've seen Travis Shaw play this season. It's just so like it is weird. Yeah, but sometimes Hunter it happens. Pen, the Hunter Dozier's the monster who stole Travis Shaw's. There ability. we go. That makes perfect sense. Or Hunter Pence. Maybe they split it between <laughs> one the of the hunters. Um, they were talent hunters. You're so good. Um, yeah, I, I just we've seen absolutely nothing from Travis Shaw going back to February at this point to make us think that he's going to hit the season. I know that the track record is pretty good, you know, the, the last two years especially, but. Yeah, the only thing, and we'll get to this guy on the drop I don't know that Keston Hira has done anything to keep Shaw out of the lineup. He has a 37% strikeout rate mm-hmm. right now. He's hitting 260. He kind of looks like maybe he's not quite ready yet, so sure. he may just get sent back down, and Shaw may just play again. I, I I'm not that. That's not really my concern with Travis Shaw. Well, if he, my if, concern is he's going to play. My concern is he's not going to get a chance to get things right. I think if he plays the rest of the year, he's not going to be this bad the rest of the year. No, no, probably not. He probably won't be the worst hitter. Not this bad, but it's baseball. he like, probably has Heath. He's a 548 OPS with 50 strikeouts and 153, 54 plate appearances. And obviously a, a third of the season is, is getting to be a, a pretty significant sample size. But in the case of, in the case of Travis Shaw, I think it's, I think it's reasonable to take it back to spring training. Mm-hmm. And I know it's obviously dicey factoring in spring training stats, but when it's, what it ends up being a preview of, of what happens to a guy, like it, it's it's clear that whatever's going on with Travis Shaw now was also going on for him then because he had like 25 strikeouts to no walks this spring, and that's that's really been the issue for him. his plate discipline, which was great last year, has just totally disappeared on him. Yeah, and it was easy to explain the spring stuff once we realized that they had this plan to help him learn how to hit lefties by just basically having him only face lefties in spring training. It seems like that plan was a very very bad one. There were a lot of bad spring training <laughs> plans implemented. A lot of teams uh, fell victim to the overthink, I think. Like, he was bad against lefties still and also forgot how to hit righties. So let's get yeah. to the drop ometer. Travis Shaw is not on it because no one owns him anymore. Martin Perez is 91% owned. I don't know how he ever got to be 91% owned, but he is at Cleveland next week, a one-start week. Is he like a 100 oh. on the dropometer? No. Did they change it to one start because as of yesterday it was two starts. Uh, I guess it, it just depends on if they're going to give Smeltz. I'm only going by what notes Adam gave me. Day. Yeah, he might be a two-star pitcher, Martin Perez. Um, but and and that would obviously be something to hold on to him for. Uh, but yeah, what I worry about with this start is he he was having a good season. Uh, but with less than a strikeout per inning, with a high walk rate, with uh, an XFIP in Sierra that made you kind of squeamish. But at the same time, pitchers who was doing the kind of stuff he was doing were few and far between. And he had this new cutter that he introduced that was hard to hit. He was throwing it like a third of the time. I think maybe yesterday was a sign that the gimmick was wearing off. Uh, that, yes, it's a good pitch, but... When it becomes too predictable, when when it, enough hitters have seen it and they know how often you throw it, yesterday basically the Rays were laying off of it. 
and uh, there wasn't much there for Martin Perez to fall back on. And if other teams follow that same game plan going forward, things could unravel for him. I, I'm not saying he's for sure done, but that seems like a plausible. Uh, so what's the, your number the on the drop stage of, I would say right now. Let's guy give a number. Oh. Give a number. I didn't hear what you asked. Sorry. Well, we're doing the dropometer. This is a segment okay. we do where I give a player and then you give a number where they rank from one yeah. to ten on whether you would drop them. It's usually Adam, not you. Four. That's why it's confusing. Maybe Four. five. Four point five. I yeah. would say two right now. If you have Martin Perez on your roster, you should probably start him against Cleveland next week. They stink. He might stink. He he generally I, has stunk. Sure, but there have been lots of mediocre and I, I don't I think he is a different pitcher this season. We've never seen him with a with a swinging strike rate near twelve percent. Uh, we've never seen him with a strikeout rate like this. So, I, I yes, the track record matters, but there are signs that he is a different pitcher, and we've seen lots of stinky pitchers do really well against Cleveland this season. So, I'm not a hundred percent ready to dismiss him. So two, yeah, is your number. Let's go with Martin or Martin. You say Kikuchi, who had really kind of turned things around and looked like a good starting pitcher for the better part of a month. And his last two starts, six and two-thirds innings, 11 runs, three walks, one strikeout. (laughs) Is there any reason to roster Kikuchi, who probably has another one-inning start coming up very soon? Yeah, I think he's a jag right now. Maybe he becomes more than that, but I think he's the streaming option right now. So yeah, he's, six, six. He, he's probably like an eight for me. There just isn't anything to really sink your teeth into there. There's not a standout pitch. There's not a standout skill in terms of missing bats or getting ground balls at a high rate or allowing weak contact or anything. Is he just like Chris is saying? He looks like just another guy. Another pitcher in that same range, Joe Musgrove, eighty-three percent owned. Again, another guy who has had some success this year but has been really bad lately. Gave up five runs in six innings to the Brewers, which could be excused if he hadn't given up six runs in five innings to the Dodgers in his last start and eight runs Mm -hmm. just about three weeks ago to the Cardinals. He's been going the wrong direction lately. The peripherals do still look a little better than the ERA, at least the FIP does. But where is Joe Musgrove at on the dropometer? The FIP is kind of misleading because he had given up two home runs all season. He was falling apart despite having great home run luck. He gave up three yesterday, but even so, that brings his season total to 15, which is still really low. I think there could be more regression to come in terms of balls leaving the park. That being said, I mean, he does. He is a great control pitcher uh, when he is... when. When he is at his best, he's efficient enough to pitch deep into games, which is something not a lot of pitchers are allowed to do. He absolutely cannot start Musgrove right now, but in terms of dropping him, he's probably only like a six for me, maybe even a five. Uh, yeah, I'd put him at a six or a seven. His velocity is way down this season, two miles per hour. And I don't like he's not a guy that had great velocity before, is he? He averaged actually 94 miles per hour. He just didn't get a lot of strikeouts. He didn't get a lot of strikeouts, but he had a healthy swinging strike rate last season. Um, yeah, this is the it, lowest it his velocity has been. It was up and down. The, the swinging strikes came on late, and they were they started out 
good early this year, and then they just completely... He actually had 14 swinging strikes yesterday, which is a good number, and hopefully a sign that maybe the stuff is coming around. But obviously, it's hard to say that when the result is so bad. I don't really know why this guy ended up on the list, but I'm going to say his name anyway because Adam put him on the list. Dan Vogelbach is 84% owned. He did go 0 for 4 and strike out twice on Thursday. Maybe that's why, but... I'm I'm not 100% sure he should be owned more than Derek Dietrich. Derek Dietrich, 75% owned. He's 84% owned. Right, so. that's... So you, he's, you should... I, he I think definitely in leagues where walks batter, you have to own Vogelbach over Dietrich. Um, and I mean, do hit-by-pitches matter in those <laughs> leagues? Derek Dietrich does have like nine of those. He's oh, wow. one of the best in baseball history. I mean, that, that would, that would matter in a points pitch. league. That would matter in a point. So he he was hit by pitch yeah, like thirty three I mean, times a couple of years ago. Um. Yeah. I mean, and and the and Vogelbach's been hitting better overall lately uh, than he had been. He had kind of a slump in early May. Uh, let me see where Vogelbach shows his, up in the his he is batted ball stuff has kind of fallen apart. Daniel Vogelbach's he's down to eighty nine miles per hour average exit velocity, which is just league average. Uh, 34.5% hard hit rate is actually below league average was really shocking given the profile. Um, you know, the expected batting average 250 expected slugging 500. That's all good, but right. it's not, he probably has to be great given, you know, and, and especially in Rota, maybe in a, in a league with OVP or a league that takes into account, uh, you know, walks and, and strikeout rate. Maybe he's a little better, yeah. but he but, really does but, need to be an exceptional hitter when he puts the ball in play. I just because he's not playing every day. I just well, when, and he oh he, he has been. Play every, he has okay. been. Yeah, he's an everyday player now. That playing time isn't really a concern before, and he's he's 14th right now at a very deep position. Even and and you know he lags behind all the others in a bat since he didn't start out the year as an everyday player. He's between Max Muncy and Trey Mancini, who um, are both you know close to 100 percent owned. So uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not anywhere close to dropping Vogelbach. My enthusiasm has lessened some, but you're still talking about a guy whose OPS is close to a thousand. I mean, and he plays every day. How are you dropping that guy? So you're a zero, Scott? Yeah. Yeah, I think I'm only like a two. Okay. I just think he's one of the, like we talk about guy hitters specifically who are best in points leagues, but not quite good enough to start in a points league. And I think Vogelbach's that, except he is good enough to start as a utility, and I can't imagine not starting him at quarter infield. So it feels not, like I'm just using him. You don't have to start him every week, but they're, certainly when the matchups are right, you want to start him. Daniel Murphy had three hits. Zero. Zero on Daniel Zero Murphy. on the drop meter. Okay, he did not play on Wednesday. Mm -hmm. He did have three hits, all singles, on Thursday. His slash line is up to 240, 316, 413 for the season. Mm -hmm. Chris is a fast zero on Daniel Murphy. Scott? Like, I wasn't that high on the dropper meter before he hit 382 with a 1050 OPS over the last 10 games. So I'm definitely not moving him up. You've moved him down? Yes, because he's been really good. He's, he's hit a lot of singles. Like, he's started eight of the last 10 games for them. Uh, he's appeared, I believe, in all 10 of those games. I've always said, and, and I know that you're a big believer, that things that have happened in the last 10 games are the most predictive moving forward. Well, when they line up with your expectations prior. 
Scott, is he a, can he register on the dropometer for you? He registers, but it's low. I don't. I, it, it becomes just a, I think, a roster. Uh, you know, like a roster size issue in in like a points league, a head-to-head league. Um, because you, he's really hard to start. Given that you know, even with things turning around, it's a bunch of singles, like you said. He has, he isn't being especially productive, but he, is he missed so much time with injury early years. on. And yeah, uh, I I just think he deserves a longer leash than this, knowing the kind of upside we were assigning him with his move to course field. Yeah, I don't want to put him at like a three. Yeah. Um, I just, if you haven't dropped like, him by that, by this point, I don't see any reason to drop him now that he's actually looking like the guy you hoped he would be when you drafted him. Well, he's looking like that. They've had a 10 game homestand at course. Sure. But he's actually well, like, we would have expected him to have a thousand OPS and hit 370 at course. I would rather have Dan Vogelbach. I definitely would not. Okay, two more. We're just going to go quick because we have spent way too long on this segment. Keston Hira, Brendan Rogers, both 64 to 69% owned. Where are these guys at for you on the dropometer? Five or six. For both? Yeah. You'd rather drop Hira? Yeah, I'd put, I'd put Hira one spot higher than Rogers because Rogers has actually performed pretty well. Hasn't hit for a lot of power yet, but has been getting hits. Uh, McMahon continues to play over him more often than not, though. And McMahon donged last night, and I think had three yeah. three more hits. He has really turned. There have been a couple of guys that there's been a little competition, and they've gotten a lot better, and McMahon's one of them. Yeah. He's hit about 350 with three home runs in his past 13 games. McMahon has. Uh, but I, I do think Hero's most likely ticketed for AAA when Shaw comes back. Okay, we were going to do trade talk yesterday, buy low, sell high, buy high. We didn't have a chance to get to it. And I know Scott White spent a lot of time preparing names for those segments like he does every week. And so I wanted to make sure that we rewarded that time that he spent by actually talking about those players. Scott, who is your favorite buy low in fantasy baseball right now? Um... Well, I don't have the names I wrote down yesterday, so I think you're just doing this to embarrass me. But I'll do. I, I will come up with an. I will come up with a name for you. Well, how about does Marcel Ozuna count as a buy low at this? I point? I don't think so. I mean, I thought about it, but I don't think he does. Like he has an eight fifty nine OPS, which is pretty solid. That's about what I think most of us would have expected from Marcel Ozuna, and that's with a two thirty two. Babip. He is walking like he did in his 2017 breakout season. He's actually striking out less. awesome. Right, but I'm saying he can be even more awesome. Like he looks like a at least the skill set looks as good as it did in 2017 when he was, you know, a, a top six outfielder. And and I think he, he has been a top six outfielder this year. Really? <laughs> yes. Really? Is there like a giant drop off yeah. between like four and six in points because the top four has been um, mind-numbingly I mean, good. George Springer's six points ahead of him. He, he has All right. 16 home runs and 90 combined runs in RBI. All right. All right. 
Well, he's going to be even better. I don't think he, he is. Might he might be. I, I don't see how he could get higher than fourth. By high. <laughs> By high. We actually do a segment called By High, and he would have been an excellent option well, for that segment. Uh, you wait. Scott, do you have a buy low? I mean, my my... I immediately go to the ace pitchers who have been less than ace-like because that's most what I'm looking to buy. And the fact that Noah Syndergaard and Carlos Carrasco, who we were talking about earlier, both have ERAs near five, um, that's that's where I immediately go because that's where I need help. And I think the skills are still basically there. Okay, let's let's do a little uh, would-you-rather with Carlos Carrasco and Noah Syndergaard, or rank them. Carlos Carrasco, Noah Syndergaard, and Hyunjin Ryu. I, I still who was Ryu, fantastic again last night. He was, and he has. He's gone. Set, the most surprising part for me about Ryu is he's gone seven innings or more in more than half his starts. Like how many pitchers, well, even on the ace level, can say that? I would bet he hasn't thrown more than 105 pitches too often. I think he's Probably. just been so good. Yeah. Um, and that he won't be this good. Probably it's going on like a year <laughs> worth of starts yeah. where he's I mean, been exactly this good. His ERA is about a run lower than his ex-fip in Sierra. Um, and about I, four I runs lower than Carlos Carrasco. I, I think they've probably the gap between these three. I I would assume before the season was probably fifty spots. Uh huh. In, in the consensus rankings, uh-huh. I think it's probably non-existent at this point. Yeah. Um, I think I'd still rather have Syndergaard and Carrasco, but it kind of feels dumb. <laughs> right. That's a good way of putting it. Like It, it feels like there's, there's some kind of bias creeping in that makes me physically unable to move Ryu ahead of those two. What about Luis Castillo? Uh, I have Castillo ahead also, but it's... You know, you're, you're no with Carrasco and Syndergaard. Like you're saying, buy low. Would you trade Luis Castillo for Syndergaard or Carrasco? No. Yeah, I, I don't yeah. think I would. But I don't think I don't necessarily know if I would trade Noah Syndergaard for Luis Castillo either. <laughs> Chris does just really doesn't make trades. Well, I mean that that's a trade. Like if we're talking realistically, like that's a, that's a hard trade to win. Right. So we're looking for, like, when we say buy low, we're trying to trade, like, a Matthew Boyd-type pitcher sure. or Syndergaard or Carrasco. Yeah. Scott's I mean, not sure. Itself, I would yeah, I mean, definitely trade other. Matthew Boyd for Noah Syndergaard. But um, we're talking about top 20, the, the 15 to 25 range in the rankings for every pitcher you've mentioned. I agreed. Yes. That's, yeah. Could we You're call... not going to be able to trade, like, the 30th best pitcher for Syndergaard or Carrasco. Pair a couple players together and... You might be able to. Like, that's that's something that happens. People just get frustrated. We get emails all the time about rage drops. You know, somebody, somebody we got an email the other day, somebody in their league rage dropped Edwin Diaz after his, like, bad outing the other night. So there might be an opportunity to take advantage of the frustration that people are feeling, and, and you should do that if you sense it, but it's hard to say. Oh, it doesn't happen. Offer, yeah. <laughs> you, go out and offer Matthew Boyd for Noah Syndergaard or... Yeah. You probably don't have a sell eye candidate ready because I have one for you that you can just talk about while Scott finds his. It's I really buy what Josh Bell and Austin Meadows have the improvements that they have made. I do buy that, but Josh Bell, uh, I believe, 
right now has the second most total bases in a month in Pittsburgh Pirates history. Uh, I don't know if you guys know, but the Pittsburgh Pirates have been playing baseball for a really long time, about 150 years. 150 yeah. years? They they were one of the founding teams of the National League in 1887. Um, you have to go back to Pie Trainer to have to find someone who had a better month than Josh Bell. He's not going to be. I mean, he's probably what number two first baseman this season. I mean, as an example, I had someone ask me, "Would you rather have Josh Bell or Reese Hoskins in Dynasty?" That's a tough. That's an interesting question. I would still take Hoskins. I think I would still take Hoskins, but. You know, Josh Bell's been incredible. I'd move Bell ahead of Hoskins in my 2019 rest of season rankings. Uh, Yeah. You know, one as as good as Hoskins is, he's going to hurt you in batting average. Yeah, I I would just say, man, can you imagine how good the Pirates would be if they had Josh Bell and Austin Meadows and they still had Tyler Glass now in their rotation? Yeah. Well, maybe they wouldn't. Tyler Glass now wouldn't be in their rotation. What? Tyler Glass now wouldn't be in their rotation. Why? Right. Because he may not have unlocked that potential. He was in the he may not have got hurt. before he got traded. He was in Pittsburgh. But he probably wouldn't have been pitching as well. Uh, also, Charlie Morton. Um, yeah, so I think Austin Meadows and Josh Pell, while acknowledging that I think they're... What? The Pirates had Charlie Morton? Yeah. Before the Astros? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Austin Meadows and Josh Pell, I buy what they're doing to a certain extent, but they're also obviously buy high candidates or sell oh. high candidates because I don't think... Austin Meadows is the best outfielder in baseball, and that's what he's played like so far this season. I don't think Josh Bell is, in a non-Cody Bellinger world, the best first baseman in baseball. So I think if you can, you know, turn one of them into, you know, a borderline elite player. If I could get Marcelo Zuna for Austin Meadows, I would do it. And, Scott, do you have a sell high? Uh, I I think... Yeah, I mean, there's a lot out there. I, 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 I obviously somebody like Zach Davies, who I have yeah. no reason to believe is going to even be rosterable all season, but he has an ERA of two nineteen, and he's high in terms of production because he's gone five and zero. Oh. Um, you know, that's that's a great sell high candidate. Just depends on how savvy your league is, because yeah, you could you sell know, him to the waiver wire for a player that's actually good. <laughs> I, I don't think he's. It would be a shallow league where there's somebody who so obviously needs to be picked up that you could drop Davies. But yeah, I, I think there's a good chance Davies winds up there eventually. Uh, another name that stood out to me, um, uh, I lost it. Never mind. Never mind. Sorry. Okay. Well, that was a good segment, Scott. Uh, Chris had a buy high in Marcelo Zuna. I've got I've got a couple more. Now you have a buy low? I'm, no, I'm buying high on Lucas Giolito and Brandon Woodruff. I okay. really believe that they've taken a step forward and can be you know, solidly above average pitchers, if not more in each case. Brandon Woodruff was actually my buy high back when I thought I was going to do a buy high. My buy low was Paul DeYoung, which some people would say, you're buying him high just like we said with you, but... Everybody's I mean, so like everybody's giving up on like Paul DeYoung. If if Marcelo Zuna does not count as a buy low, or, Paul DeYoung definitely does. Marcelo Zuna is not one for his last twenty four. Paul DeYoung is, and he's still and he's still playing above any reasonable expectation. Not now, he's not. I mean, he probably. Does, what not, are his you're not runs buying low yet? based on his season numbers. You're buying on what's happened the last week, and people are like, "Oh no, it's over." And I'm getting the tweets because I was getting all the tweets saying, thank you, Paul DeYoung was your greatest call ever. And now they're saying, oh, no, what happened to Paul DeYoung? They're ready to give up on him. You can get him for very, very little. 
And I, I would. So, anyway, we've got a sec segment called Guys We Don't Talk About Enough. And we almost spent so long on Trade Talk that we didn't talk about them again. And we're going to get to that right after the break. The wait is over. The Shy returns with new episodes on Paramount+. Plus. What brings you to the Shy? Opportunity. Everybody get down! Walk right up to the side. A new rain is coming to the South Side. Never should have sent a boy to do a woman's job. The Shy. New episodes May 10th. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash The Shy to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. So this is called, guys, we don't talk about enough, but it could actually, at least the first two names on the list, could be two brewers. One Scott was right about, one Scott was wrong about. Mike Moustakas and Lorenzo Cain. And Chris, we kind of poo-pooed the what's wrong with Lorenzo Cain email that we got earlier in the week. I'm not so sure that there isn't something maybe wrong with him. His peripherals, there are some problems there. Well, he, he's he been hit by a pitch on the hand, I think, twice this season. So it is possible that there's something wrong. But I just, with Lorenzo Cain in particular, I buy the track record of him being you know, not just an underrated outfielder, and I think he's been that for a while in fantasy, but, like, he's been, like, a top-20-ish outfielder for, what, three or four years now? Um, so, yeah, I, I still will buy the track record unless I hear that he is hurt, in which case, you know, that would change things. But right now, I don't, I don't have any specific reason to believe he is. And his hard contact rate jumped last year with the rest of baseballs, and it was almost league average. It's fallen back to where it was before 2018. He's just not making very good contact. So I will give Scott White some credit on that one so far and say, what did uh, I doubts. say about him? I don't, I don't know. You don't were know one of the lowest rankers in the entire industry on Lorenzo Cain. Um, uh, at the beginning of the offseason, I think you had him. Like you moved him up because you saw how low you are, were on him. But you were still one of the lowest guys on him. I had no idea. I didn't mean to do that. But I'll but take credit, sure. You were also a very big uh, <laughs> critic and questioner of Mike Moustakas. And I, he I, I has been yeah. outstanding. Do you buy him as a top five second baseman? I think he's, it's not hard to get in the top five at second base. <laughs> it sounds like a funny thing to say. Uh, I may have like Cattell Marte ahead of him, who's... You know, doing some, doing some impressive things in a believable way, but certainly top ten for Mustakis. Like, I, I'm not looking to upgrade if he's my second baseman. It just feels stupid to refer to Mike Mustakis as a top five second baseman. Why? Because he shouldn't be a second baseman. This 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 whole thing is just <laughs> weird. Has he been bad at second base so far defensively? I, I honestly do not know. I've but, seen him make a like they make a big deal out of it whenever he makes a good play yeah. because he shouldn't be playing there. That's yeah. like when like my but, wife makes a big deal when I eat multiple vegetables in a meal. His but he is a second war. baseman for fantasy purposes. Right? No, he no, no. Is a top five. It, it was, I was not disagreeing with him being a top five second baseman necessarily. I was just saying it sounds weird. He, he has been a positive worth- defensive war on Baseball Reference. He's also played more innings at third than he has, or no, just barely more innings at second than he has at third. So and I think they like add some extra value for guys who play multiple positions. So, but it's valuable, yeah, to play multiple positions. Yeah, he's Mike Mustakas, good second baseman. 
Another combination of guys we haven't talked about enough, and we get lost in the Cody Bellinger's the best player in the world. Now Josh Bell's the second best second first baseman. A couple of older guys at the bottom of the first base rankings, Jose Abreu and Carlos Santana. How are we feeling about these guys right now? Carlos Santana is uh, kind of having a career year, uh, especially when you factor in that he's usually such a slow starter. But his issue was always, well, he doesn't hit for average, even though he doesn't strike out much because he's so sold out for the fly ball. It's a low Babbitt profile. And that's changed this year. He's not hitting as much fly, as many fly balls. He has around a league average Babbitt, and so the batting average is good. Uh, and yet, you know, after a slow start power-wise, it's it's really picked up, and he's on his usual home run pace. So he's uh, he's must start in all formats when usually he was more of a points league specialist. And Abreu, I have no objections to. I mean, his his batting average is lower than we expect from Abreu, but he has 15 home runs and. You know, he's he's uh he's never done anything to take him out of my lineups. I would expect Santana ends up probably more like a two sixty hitter, which is what he'd really been before last season, but that'll still play. Um Abreu, I do have to wonder if If he's a two sixty hitter? Yeah. Right. He was two sixty five last season with a two ninety four Babip. He hasn't had uh he was three thirty or better pretty much every year the first four of his years of his career, but it's worth remembering he's 32 years old. And now we're seeing the strikeout rate increase two years in a row. Still hitting for power, and I would expect him to do that moving forward. But, yeah, it's possible he's more of a 260, 265 hitter than you know the 290, 300 guy that we had gotten used to. Which is going to hurt his value because he's he's probably not going to continue this home run pace. It, I mean, it, it puts him into two-category territory for Roto League couple of outfielders we don't talk about enough, according to Adam. I know I talk about one of them plenty. Shinsu Chu, Avisail Garcia. Chu has now 10 home runs in 51 games. He's never hit more than 22 in a season. Avisail Garcia also has 10 home runs and 6 steals in 47 games. Chu's 84% owned. Garcia still just 52%. Do you buy either of these outfielders? Garcia's uh, batted ball profile completely backs up what he's doing, which is one of the more stunning uh, things that I think I've ever said. the only time he's ever been on good, it didn't? Well, yeah, because like, we've seen seasons like this before, um, but it wasn't really believable he had right one now. Season. He had one season, and his BABIP was like 390. Yeah. And he's had stretches before, but... You know, right now he has a 47% hard contact rate. He has a 91.6 mile per hour average exit velocity, 15% barrel rate. Like, pretty much across the board, he looks like, you know, a, a top 10 to 15 percentile hitter. Mm-hmm. But, like we say pretty regularly, these are things that they are skill based. They are, uh, measures of what a player has done, but it's not necessarily a measure of what a player will do. Just because obviously Garcia is hitting the ball really, really well right now doesn't necessarily mean he will continue to do it. Yeah, his bat is 351. It went up about 15 points just with yesterday's game. (laughs) Uh, But, you know, the profile is kind of what you'd see for a high bat hitter, but even so, that's that's a little high. I I, I think 52% ownership is too low. He's in my top 10 sleeper hitters for next week and i think maybe fourth on that list uh so he's 
He's interesting. He, he's found regular bats with the Rays, which is not something I saw happening at the start of the year. One more outfielder and one more former Pirate. Jordan Luplo hit his seventh home run in 98 plate appearances on Thursday. Do we care at all about Jordan Luplo? So here's the thing. Uh, technically, it was his seventh home run in 98 plate appearances. Really, it was his seventh home run on 53 plate appearances because he hasn't done anything against right-handed pitching. He has a 390 OPS against righties, 1190 against lefties. He's <laughs> been destroying lefties. Um, but even then, he's striking out a lot. So, no, I, I don't think this is the profile of a uh, mixed-league player. I mean, we own him in the 16-team league, uh, categories league, but I don't. I can't imagine a world in which we're ever starting him against uh, unless the Indians are facing six the Mariners in a row. And Five game series with the Mariners. Sure. Yeah. I, I just, I, I have a hard time seeing this being a profile that ends up being useful in anything but AL only. Let's get to some buy or sell from Twitter. Thank you for sending these so that uh, I didn't have to come up with anything else to do. Lucas Giolito is the best AL central starting pitcher for the rest of the season. Buy or sell Scott. I sell. Uh, I definitely go Bauer there still, and Carrasco second. But Giolito may be third, maybe third until Clevenger comes back. He, and then he I put Clevenger fight ahead Because you didn't name his best NL Central pitcher. No, I still have Bauer and Carrasco ranked ahead of Bieber. Giolito. Who did I forget? Oh, Shane probably, Bieber. Yeah, I put Bieber no. ahead of him too. Oh, I wasn't even thinking of Shane Bieber. Look, who, when who, the five who, in the. When oh, the, Jose, when, Jose Barrios, too, yeah. I have him at Giolito as well. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a good point also. I but hate. when the five Indians pitchers are healthier, are, are healthy, they, they are all still ahead of Giolito, as is Barrios. I think Giolito might have the best peripherals. Yes, if the, if the if yeah. what Giolito's done in his most recent seven starts, well, no, I'm talking about Giolito moving forward. For the season, he has a 286 FIP. Okay, we got to move through these quicker. Chris Towers. Matt Olson is a top 10 first baseman rest of season. Buy or sell? Sell. I think he's good, but the it's a limited contact profile, and it's really hard to be a top 10 first baseman. I'd kind of buy it in Roto uh, if he plays the rest of the season. Scott, buy or sell? The Nats somehow stole Zach Wheeler's soul in the offseason. <laughs> I, I think they no stole it in season. Um, he has faced the Nats like four times. He has a 794 ERA and a 514 FIP. And in the rest of his starts, he has a 304 ERA and a 229 FIP. Zach Wheeler has been an ace against everyone with the Nationals. Against the Nationals, he has been Reynaldo Lopez. Mm. That's weird. I, I don't know why this is coming up when Jason Vargas started yesterday. Is Wheeler starting against the Nationals today? No, I think it was. I, th I think this is just. All you have to say is buy or sell. Okay, whatever. They didn't steal his soul. No, I sell. Your sell. Okay, buy or sell this team name from the same person. Hira today, gong tomorrow. Sure. Bye. And sure. I'm not, I realized I'm not saying anyone's Twitter handle when I'm reading their things because I don't have time to process whether it's inappropriate. And a lot of you guys have some really bad Twitter handles. Chris, buy or sell Max Kepler is a top 15 outfielder rest of season. Shouts to our guy Afrost32 on Twitter. You don't even know what that means. Great team name. Uh, <laughs> sell. Max Kepler's not a top 15 outfielder rest of the season, but he might be a top 25 outfielder. 
Um, got two more for you, Scott. Jose Leclerc earns more saves than Heath lied about consuming in an hour. At so now what? So does Jose Leclerc have more? I don't think he, Scott knows the story. Yes. Heath he lied about drinking 14 beers in an hour. And Jose Leclerc, will he have more or less than 14 saves the rest of the season? This is such a confusing segment for me. Uh, I I do buy that, and that he will, and that he'll be back in the role sooner than later. Chris, buy or sell Kutch, I believe that's Andrew McCutcheon, is a sneaky top 10 outfielder rest of season. Uh, that's from at West Club 7 on Twitter. <laughs> uh, great. That's actually a, that's a fantastic Twitter handle, by the way. I don't know if you guys get that one. No, no. Uh, there was like I don't a get anything. Swedish yeah, you're pop group to say called S Club we are 7 so from the 90s. Time. Uh, sell. <laughs> Scott Byersell, Jose Ramirez ends the season as a top 20 hitter in points, top 15 in Roto. I'm selling that at this point. He could, but uh, yeah, that's that's another guy who you look back and you factor in his spring training. You factor in the last six weeks of last season, and this is a really long stretch. Yeah. We're Fred, talking friend of the pod, more Brad than 300 M. at bats. Uh, Chris, rest of season Aaron Nola is a top 10 starting pitcher at JKJK1 nope nope wrong one <laughs> Perez Daniel 0811 uh yeah I buy Aaron Nola as close to a top 10 and starting one more and we season. we talked about this last week buy or sell Adalberto Mondesi over Javi Baez I think I have to sell it still Scott I'm gonna let it. you weigh in on this one as well yeah, I sell it. I, I believe Mondesi has been better than Baez so far this season. Yeah, it's been like a really slim margin, right? And Baez still hasn't a BABIP over 400? Mm-hmm. But he also I gotta has... I got to be honest with you. Like, the top 10 at shortstop is the mess. most difficult... The, the the most difficult stretch of the rankings right now. Like, I, I feel like everybody is too low who's, you know, outside the top five. There's just so many high-end players at that position right now. If anything, the tiebreaker might be just that buy is a second base eligible, and that's a much weaker position. Let's talk about second base then. Buy or sell Whit Merrifield is the first second baseman drafted in 2020. I sell. Does Javi Baez have second base eligibility next yes. year? Okay. So I mean, Javi, Whit Merrifield has been a lot better than Javi Baez. It's there's not also Jose really close. Right. Not forget about that. Yeah, he would be he would be a better person to draft than Whit Merrifield, I think. But Whit Merrifield should definitely be better, drafted before Javi Baez. I don't know about definitely. Let's see how the rest of this year goes. Okay. Two start pitchers. We already know who Scott's favorite is. Chris just stole the same answer. It's actually the only good answer if you're looking for two <laughs> start pitchers below seventy yeah. percent. Let's first go through the aces. Yeah, it is. See if there's anyone you might actually consider sitting. Um, this one, I think we can get some disagreement about. Mike Miner at home, two starts at home, Baltimore and Oakland. Baltimore nah, starting him. Oakland. Yeah. He had 21 swinging strikes yesterday, Mike Miner. Chris doesn't I know like the Mike line Miner. wasn't that great. Yeah, I don't, I don't buy it, but you're strikes. starting him there. Okay, Madison Bumgarner at the Mets and against the Dodgers. You're, you're starting him in a points league for sure, and I think probably still in a roto. Yeah. Frankie Montas was not great in his last start. He is at the Angels, at the Rangers. I'm starting. Start him. 
I I think Shane Bieber versus Minneapolis or Minnesota and versus the Yankees is a is a bigger question. Okay. Those are two incredibly tough matchups. Um I think you're still starting him, but you just wanted to throw a little <laughs> shot at Shane Bieber, that's fine. Robbie <laughs> Ray versus the Dodgers at Toronto. That you're starting one him, is dicey. But, but you you better hope the rest of your pitchers have really good whips. I, now, I wouldn't start Robbie Ray in a in a categories league. Just okay. points. And now I am seeing Martin Perez as a two start pitcher at Cleveland at Detroit. Yeah, you're starting him. Yeah, one hundred percent. We don't know Jordan Lyle's situation. He played catch. We won't worry about him. If you, you're only starting him if he's two starts, it's against Atlanta. I'm not starting him anyway. Yeah, I don't think you're starting against him. Atlanta at Milwaukee. No, coming off an injury. My research suggests he may not be a two star pitcher. Anyway, it's just it's another situation where they could opt to skip certain guys or not. Wade Miley at Seattle versus Baltimore. Yep. Yeah, you're starting him. He's still been really good. Zach Davies versus Miami versus Pittsburgh. Yeah, you're probably still starting Zach Davies. Yep. You say Kikuchi sit him versus yep. Houston, and I know they're not great anymore at LA. I think there's a good chance one of those starts is a one inning start. Yep. Because he's not done that for a while. So Griffin Canning were definitely all on board. He's now up to 70%. So, Scott, he can't be your answer for your favorite two-star pitcher under 70% owned. He's not under 70% owned anymore. There are a couple that I might consider in a points league. But <laughs> even Genius. then, you're talking about having to free up a roster spot for him, and it may not be worth it. The two are uh, Dylan Bundy and Pablo Lopez. Bundy yeah, I just has don't like the matchups. Yeah, I mean, I, I always... I mean, matchups, of course, matter, but uh, the pitcher is always more important to me than the matchup. Um, and they're they're the two that I feel like could potentially give you six, seven innings with a good st- strikeout total. I would throw out Jake Junis. Um, the matchup versus Boston is obviously tough, but the White Sox are not not anything special, and he's been he continues to be okay. Corbin Martin has been terrible lately. He is at Seattle, but does have a start against Baltimore. And that's Seattle, that's not a tough matchup, I think. Not anymore. Um, I just don't think he's ready. A couple of other guys who recently moved into the rotation. Ryan Weber is at Kansas City and gets Tampa Bay for the Red Sox. Yeah, no. No, nah. get him out of here. <laughs> eh? in, he in got deep crushed league? his last start, and he's nah. Ryan Weber. I'm good. Genesis Cabrera. Nah. I did not make that name up. Name up. Nope. It's a real name. Nope. It's the Reds and the, like people play in deep leagues where they have to make these decisions. No, you I'm start not one star pitchers if you play in a deep league. Like there, there, there is, there is like basically a third of the two star pitcher rankings every week is just unusable in, in, in any format. Like even a deep league, like they're just it takes one good start. Scott. Too much damage can be or done. Or one bad start. Let's talk about weekend streamers real quick. On Friday, we've got Tyler Malley against Washington. Spencer Turnbull, Turnbull at Atlanta. Danny Duffy at Texas. John Duplantier at against the Mets. Tyler Skaggs at Seattle. Mike Leake against the Angels. Joey Lucchese against the Marlins. Who's your favorite on Friday? My favorite of these it's friendly for me. You said Lucchese? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I might go I'm with not, Duffy. I feel like Spencer Turnbull 
things never go that badly for him. But Atlanta's a pretty tough matchup, and he hasn't, you know, he's been kind of hit or miss recently. I feel like, and I, I've not looked at this at all this year, I feel like the Rangers should be bad against lefties. Um, oh. Yeah, I don't know, because Hunter Pence has been awesome against lefties. Joey Gallo's not actually as bad as you would think against lefties. Um, Mazzara's not good against anyone, so I'm not sure that would change <laughs> either way. Neither is Rugnet Odor. Uh, yeah, I would guess they're not good, but I would guess they're not terrible. On Saturday, Kyle Gibson at Tampa Bay, Lance Lynn against the Royals, Homer Bailey at Texas, Daniel Norris at Atlanta, Andrew Heaney at Seattle, Jose Urania at San Diego, and Robbie Erlin against Miami. Not Robbie Erlin. There is only two. Well, there's three. There was three I would maybe consider starting. Uh, Heaney. Coming off that great start, fresh off the DL, looked just as good as he did last year at Seattle. That's an easy call. I think Lance Lynn, the kind of run he's on against KC, possibly with Hunter Dozier out of the lineup, that's an easy call. I don't think I, I'm to a point with Kyle Gibson, and, and you know Tampa Bay is a tough matchup, but Kyle Gibson is somebody I'm never afraid to start anymore. And I'm with Chris. I'm starting Urania as well. Chris, on Sunday, Jeff Samarja at Baltimore, Sonny Gray against Washington. Gio Gonzalez at Pittsburgh, Zach Plezak at Chicago, Brad Keller at Texas, Chris Bassett against Houston, Steven Matz at Arizona, Nick Pavetta at the Dodgers, Trevor Richards at the Padres. I know you're going to say Trevor Richards. I think over. there's, I actually think there's a, a couple. There's a lot of good options. Yeah, I think you could start Samarja against at Baltimore. I yep. think you can start Sonny Gray against Washington. I think you can start Steven Matz at Arizona, and I think Trevor Richards at San Diego. I'm not. We definitely did not see enough from Nick Pavetta in nope. that first start back to consider starting him against a tough matchup. And I think I'd start. I think I'd strongly consider. I mean, generally, if you're doing the weekend streamers, it's a categories league, mm-hmm. and you know what you need. And I would consider Plesek. Like if I'm behind already in ERA and WHIP, and and need a kind of a to go for it. I'd... I'm I'm not totally against the idea of starting Chris Bassett against Houston. They have like three good hitters now. Yeah, I think their backup is, hitters is are better a than a pitcher? lot of teams' regular hitters. Is he a I good think he, he's shown enough flashes this season that I think he could do well against a team that's missing like legitimately most of their great hitters. The light bulb has dimmed. Sure, after those flashes. sure, but they have Bregman and who? Michael Brantley is one of the Michael, best hitters. Okay, in baseball. Bregman and Michael Brantley. Yeah, Josh Reddick. Yeah, he's solid. He's, he's good against righties for sure. And. No, I get what you're saying. I just like think Jake Marisnik is their next pitchers. best hitter. Maybe Derek Fisher. Yeah. Uh, my point kind of stands here. You can squint and see some of these guys pulling out a good start. I'll give you that. The only one I expect to have a good start is Sonny Gray. And that's going to do it for Carrasco Friday. Hurry back, Adam. <laughs> 